For our sermon this morning for PV and students, I want to take a closer look at the story of Zacchaeus uh, in Luke chapter 19. Now, we won't sing the song about Zacchaeus unless you want to, um, but you do, maybe maybe film yourself doing it and, and then send it in. But, um, you know, we always remember Zacchaeus as being uh, a short man, right? A wee little man, as the song goes. But as we go through the story, I want you to see something else, right? Something besides just Zacchaeus's physical appearance. Uh, maybe let's look at his spiritual appearance. Uh, one of the biggest points of the story of Zacchaeus is Jesus's power to convert someone. Jesus's power not just to change their actions, but to change their hearts. So let's just jump right into it. Now we're in Luke chapter 19. That's where Zacchaeus is. Luke chapter 19. And we're going to go through verses 1 through 10, but we're going to take it in, in pieces. So first, just to start right out of the gate, Luke chapter 19, right? New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 2. We'll just go through this. Luke 19, 1 through 2. He, that's Jesus. So Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Now, when the text says that Zacchaeus was a tax collector, this is not the exact same thing as a tax collector today. Zacchaeus didn't work for the IRS. Uh, he wasn't trying to do everything by the book. Tax collectors in those days could be very, very corrupt. There was, there was very little oversight. There, you know, there were no regulations. There was really no paper trail. You know, it's, it's very difficult to keep up with stuff like that. And this isn't just Zacchaeus. One of God's biggest charges against Israel, his own people, one of God's biggest charges against Israel in the Old Testament was that the poor were constantly taken advantage of. Now, Jewish people were under the rule of the Roman Empire. So they had to pay taxes to Rome. But here's what the Roman Empire would do. See, the, the empire was humongous, right? One person couldn't oversee the whole thing. So here's what Rome would do. They would hire a Jewish man from within to collect taxes owed, and then he would send that money back to Rome. And if the tax collector collected too much money, money that the Roman Empire didn't need or didn't ask for, guess who got to keep all that extra cash? Notice in verse 2 it says that Zacchaeus was rich. Well, how is Zacchaeus making money exactly if he's just sending all the people's money back to Rome? He's not. He's keeping some of it for himself. He's pulling too much money from the people that they don't know about so that Rome can say, no, 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 you keep some of this, this leftover money. We don't need it. Notice also Zacchaeus is not just a tax collector, according to verse 2. He's the chief tax collector. You know, usually you, you climb the ladder at work, right, by working hard. But these were tax collectors in the ancient world. How do you stand out to, to the Romans employing you? How do you do better as a tax collector than your co-workers? You get more money, right? That's how you do better as a tax collector in the ancient world. You just get more money than your co-workers. Zacchaeus being the chief tax collector, who was also rich, is saying that he was the shrewdest, most corrupt man out of all the tax collectors. 
He was the best there was at figuring out how to get more money out of the Jewish people to give to Rome. And this got Rome's attention. The Zacchaeus guy was getting more money out of his people than anyone else. So they promoted him. Show other people, show your other tax collector co-workers how to get more money out of their people, just like you're doing. We, found out, we find out later in the story that Zacchaeus had lied and cheated a lot of people out of their money so that he could give it to Rome. And here's the thing. These are Jewish people, and Zacchaeus was Jewish. We know that from verse 9. So Zacchaeus is not just stealing from people in general, which is bad enough. He's stealing money from his own people. And I think here's the extra thing that we're, that we're allowed to go the extra mile on. Families typically lived very close together um, in the ancient world. So it's very likely that Zacchaeus is stealing from his own family. And the first kind of takeaway from that is sin always causes us to hurt those closest to us first. Sin always causes us to hurt those closest to us first. Um, in theaters, right, back when we could go to theaters, uh, in theaters they used to, like even when I was, when I was a student, they used to play a, a quick clip before the preview started about how you cannot pirate a movie. Uh, you can't film the movie in theaters with your phone or with a, with a camcorder or whatever, et cetera, right? And it would say at the end of the, the, the clip, it would say pirating movies is not a victimless crime. And I would take that even further. I would say that there is no such thing as a victimless crime, period. Think of Adam and Eve eating the fruit in the Garden of Eden. There was literally nobody else there at all. Talk about a victimless crime. But look at all the damage it did. Look at all the hurt that it caused. The sins we commit, even the private ones, change us. Remember, there's no such thing as a victimless crime. The sins we commit, even the private ones that no one else knows about, they change us. They darken our hearts. They pull us further away from God. And now when you interact with other people, you're interacting with them as someone who is farther away from God than you were yesterday. Just because people don't know, just because the people around you don't know about the sins you commit, that doesn't mean they're, they're not a victim of those sins. Just because the people near you don't know about the sins you commit, that doesn't mean that they're not still a victim of the sins that you commit. Have you ever noticed how the Ten Commandments can really be summed up as love God and love people? Why those two things? Because they are related. God knows that when you stop loving Him, it will affect your ability to love other people. God knows that when you stop loving Him, it will affect your ability to love other people. Our sin affects us and everyone closest to us. There is no such thing as a victimless sin. Zacchaeus' heart is dark and dead. He is consumed with material wealth and status. His heart is far from God, and because his heart is far from God, it is automatically far from other people. Remember the story of the man possessed by the demon in Luke chapter 8? He makes his home among the tombs, and no one will go near him. And we read that, and we think, oh, how awful. And it is. But we miss the point that Zacchaeus is the same way. 
He's not possessed by a demon. His sins have isolated him. And our sins do the same things to us. They isolate us from God and from each other. The devil is not your friend. And I know that sounds so hokey and and whatever, but it's true. The devil is not your friend. His ways do not lead to fulfillment or happiness or the peace that you think they will. They will lead you to loneliness and sadness, isolation, even in a group of crowd. And even in a group or crowd, you'll still feel isolated. But Jesus can save Jesus can save, and that's what he does. Moving into, into the next section, Luke 19, 3 through 4, right? Luke 19, 3 through 4. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable to because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. So he ran out ahead of them and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus. And he was about to pass through that way. Now, a quick takeaway from this. Jesus can save anyone, anytime, anywhere, right? That's what the Bible teaches. But it's interesting, okay? It's interesting that Jesus moves in Zacchaeus's life. You know what's about to happen. Jesus moves in Zacchaeus's life when Zacchaeus sort of gets within range uh, or in his sights, in Jesus's crosshairs. Now, again, the point here is not that you can only be saved when you're in church. You can only be saved when you're close to God's people. That's not the point. But the church is God's approved means for saving people. The preaching and singing and ministry of the church. It is so important, especially during this weird time of social distancing, that you take the time you can in your day to get um, within range of Jesus. Not that he can't reach you, but we have to go to the well to drink, right? It's like the woman who buys a treadmill and then she returns it a week later and says, I didn't lose any weight. And the salesperson says, well, did you get on it? Let me tell you what I'm trying to say. Students will come to me and say, I feel distant from God. And I'll say, okay, well, do you pray? No. When was the last time you read your Bible? Uh, I'm not even really sure where my Bible is. Are you trying to follow God in in what you read and watch and listen to? Well, not really. Well, then it's no surprise that you feel distant from Him. Are you taking steps to close that gap? Zacchaeus had to climb a tree just to see Jesus, and we have more access to His Word and teaching than ever before thanks to the Internet. Thanks to our phones and books and all kinds of things. You've grown up probably in the South. You have a Bible with your name on it, I'm sure. On pvnstudents.org, we have a link at the top that just says Bible reading. Guess what it's about? There are five different Bible reading plans. And there are five years worth of Wednesday night sermons for you to listen to on the podcast app and on pvnstudents.org. If you find a book that interests you, Text me, and we'll buy it and ship it to your house on our dime. Put yourself in range of Jesus, right? And you'll be amazed at the change of heart that starts to happen. Next section, verses 5 through 7. 5 through 7. When Jesus came to this place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your home. And when he hurried and he came down and received him gladly. 
when they when the crowds or when they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, He is gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. One of the big things to pull away from this is Jesus knows you before you know him. Did you see? Jesus says, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. Zacchaeus didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus that we know about. Zacchaeus didn't already have a, a friendship with Jesus that we that we know about. Jesus already knew exactly who he was. Sometimes we'll say things like, I don't think Jesus could love me if he knew what I did. If he knew. One of the things that makes God God is that he never has to learn anything. One of the only things that I think God has never said is, I didn't know that. Well, if God knew my past, he would never love me. God knows things about your past that you don't even remember. We act like we remember everything about our past. God knows things about your past that you don't even remember. In the book of Habakkuk, uh, Pastor Mac walked us through this last week. In the book of Habakkuk, the prophet says, God, what are you doing in my life? What are you doing in my life? And God says, I am doing such a great thing here that if I told you, you wouldn't believe it. God knows things about your future that if he told you, you wouldn't even believe him. Psalm 139.4, before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you already know it completely. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you already know it completely. Does that sound like someone who would be surprised by anything you have to tell him? Well, if he knew what he does know, he knows the consequences of your sins even deeper than you do. Like you may know the people that you hurt, but you can't see inside their heart to see how deeply you've hurt them or how you've hurt them. God does. And in all that you've done and will do, by the way, instead of shutting you out, he has ordained that I preach about Zacchaeus and you hear a message about how he knows what you've done and he still pursues you. Zacchaeus's heart was dark. He was actively hurting people by stealing their money. Some of them probably didn't even know it. And he has no plans to stop from what we can tell. And Jesus still calls him by name. This is how Jesus saves people. He doesn't wait for you to memorize all the words to how great their art and tuck your shirt in. He saved Paul on the road to Damascus. What was Paul doing that day on the road to Damascus? He was on his way to persecute more Christians. He wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't curious about Jesus. He wasn't trying to figure it all out. He wasn't warming up to the idea. He was as lost and dead as lost and dead can be. And in that, Jesus still saved him. Jesus could never love me. Listen, stop. Jesus loves you too much to let anything keep him from you. Even your own excuses. Jesus loves you too much to let anything keep him away from you. Even your own excuses. In the middle of your mess, Jesus calls your name. And then he comes and stays at Zacchaeus' house, which is a huge sign of friendship in those days. And here's the thing. This is in Jericho, right? He entered Jericho, verse 1. 
Jericho was a city where a lot of priests lived, as well as several Pharisees and officials. I mean, it was a big city, right? Why did Jesus not stay with any of them, the religious people? Well, we know from verse 7, right? Verse 7. When they saw this, the people all began to grumble, saying, He's gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Zacchaeus is the sinner, not any of them. Why didn't Jesus stay with any of them? Because they didn't think they needed him. Why would Jesus go and hang out with a sinner? That's the whole point. Jesus is not just some cool teacher. He's not some Instagram hero. Jesus wanted no part of their influencer religion where he was just a cool person to be around. He wanted followers, and they had completely missed it. Jesus has not come to be added on to your life. He has come to save you from the sin in your life, to redeem you and free you. These people didn't get that. They didn't understand, and I think a lot of us in the church don't understand this today. Our number one relationship with Christ is He is our Savior and King. Period. That is the number, that is the bare root of our relationship with Jesus. Savior and King, saving us from our horrible, evil, wicked ways and our King that we follow. These people didn't want those things. They wanted to just hang out with Jesus. And Jesus wants no part of that. He doesn't, that's not why he came. So Jesus wanted no part with them. Last section, verses 8 through 10. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, Half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. So again, right there in 10, for the man, Son of Man have come to seek and save what is lost. That's why I'm here. That's why I've come, is to save you, to give you someone to follow. That's what you need. That is your deepest need as a person. Someone to save you from your sins and someone to follow. You were made, we were made to worship. And Jesus has come to fill those needs. Now, I don't know how long they talked. Could have been 10 minutes, could have been hours. But the primary point, don't get lost in the weeds of that. The primary point that Luke wants to make is that Jesus personally changed Zacchaeus. That's the point. Jesus personally changed Zacchaeus. Now the point here, so and Zacchaeus gives away all his stuff, right? The point here is not that in order to be a Christian, you have to give away all your stuff. Sometimes that's taught, and, and that's wrong. Christianity and minimalism are, is not the same word, okay? That would still be saved by works. You see that? you got to be a Christian. Well, how do I be a Christian? Give your stuff. That's still being saved by works. And we know, I mean, you know, there's people who are not Christians give away money all the time. So what's happening here? Well, remember at the beginning of the story, Zacchaeus's whole world was getting things, getting in general. He was not only a tax collector who collected a lot of money, he was the rich chief tax collector who got more money than anyone else. That was his world. That was his life. Now look at what it says again. Look at verse 8. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions 
I will give to the poor. Who is this guy? And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, which he definitely did, I will give back four times as much. Zacchaeus was obsessed with getting his whole life. Now, after meeting Jesus, he can't give it away fast enough. Zacchaeus' salvation isn't that he was giving away his stuff. It's that he wants to. And that had definitely never been there before. This man was basically, right, his own family, this man was basically stealing from his grandma. How horrible of a person do you have to be? This man was basically stealing from his grandma to give to Rome. Now he's giving back four times what he cheated people out of, on top of giving away half his stuff to the poor. Here it is. His entire nature has changed. His entire nature has changed. Being saved by Jesus means that the man, forget about Zacchaeus now, being saved by Jesus means that the man who is constantly angry is now heartbroken by how angry he is all the time. The person who cannot fight lust, right? It's in our very nature. The man who cannot fight lust now catches himself one day and realizes he hasn't lusted after someone all day. Or she, right? Who, whoever. It's about the person who is anxious all the time, all of a sudden having a foundation in their heart of peace that used to not be there. And their friends saying, you seem a lot more relaxed than you used to be. There are hundreds of more examples, thousands even. But the point is that Jesus put in Zacchaeus a desire to fight his selfishness that had never been there before. It's not about a new behavior. It's about new desire. There's a want to that has never been there before. After meeting Jesus, a change in Zacchaeus' heart happens. He wants to replace his old sins with new good works. What do you lean towards in life? What sins are so easy for you to give into? That's a window into what your true nature is. What do you want to do? What is it so easy for you to slide into? Those are the things that an encounter with Jesus will start to reverse. And you can't do it. Your biggest problem is you. My biggest problem is me. So me digging deep down into me is never going to work. We need to meet the one who can change us, who can literally reverse the flow of our heart. Zacchaeus' heart was this black hole, right? What do black holes do? They suck in everything. You've seen enough you know, science fiction movies, right? They just suck in and take everything, even light itself. And that's our hearts before Christ. Zacchaeus' heart was like that. It just happened to be about money. The problem is not money. The problem is Zacchaeus' heart. He's taking everything he can get his hands on. Our hearts are the same way before we meet Jesus Christ. What does your heart take? Is it lust and it's other people? Is it materials and things? Well, let, let me tell you a little bit of a secret. The answer is all of those things. Until we meet Jesus, your heart is, my heart is completely inward focused, desperately pulling everything we come into contact with, pulling it in, 
taking it for ourselves because we've got to fill this void in our lives. Consuming everything, making us miserable. Jesus comes into our lives and changes that black hole. I'm going to stick to the space metaphor. Into a star. He swaps a black hole for a star that only now gives off light. That cures our longing. That fills us up in a way that all of our selfishness never has. And once we have that, we can be giving not just with our stuff, but with our lives. Because we've been filled. Now we don't want anything. Now we can just give. And that's what Jesus, that's what meeting Jesus can do.